1: Good morning America. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty Radio Show here on Red State Talk Radio. I'm your host Tim Brown coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina. For I have Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warned you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us here on Rotten to the Core Wednesday. And if you'd like to join us online, please do so. SonsofLibertyRadio.com and SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. If you want to watch the video portion of the show, you're listening by radio and you want to check out the video portion, where we're going to show you a lot of things too, as well as tell you, uh, please go over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. Scroll down right there on the right. We'll be going live as you get there and you can enlarge that if you want. You can also check out that live video feed on my Twitter account at @fpptim. Also my um, periscope account which is setting brush fires, our Facebook account which is Bradley Dean Sol, YouTube channel is bdeansonsofliberty, beforeitsnews.com are right there on the front page and also on dlive.tv at the sons of liberty. You can also check us out at SpreeleyGab, MeWeMinds, and USA.life at Sons of Liberty and Sons of Liberty Media. And then um, the phone lines, we're going to close those, okay? I got those still up. We're going to close those uh, because the show is being prerecorded right now, which is Monday. And uh, so we won't have that open, and I really can't take questions, even though I'm going to see you guys in the chat room as the show goes on. Now, what we're going to talk about today is should really wake some people up. Um, I mean, it really should. If you think you're still in Kansas, (laughs) you're not, okay, as the old saying goes. And here to help me out and expose what we're going to talk about today is my co-host, Lynn Taylor. Good morning, Lynn.
2: Well, good morning. I hope you're doing well. I'm
1: doing good. I'm doing good. I'm, I've am i got a busy day, but uh, we're happy to have you back with us again. And, uh, you know, last week we talked about the Noahide laws, and <clears throat> that was a really big show, a really big show for a lot of people because, you know, we, we've we done Islam, we've done enough of Islam, and then, of course, Victor and I had done some stuff on occultic Judaism and the Noahide laws and things of like this nature. And then we come into that with you through the avenue of education. And there were so many people in the chat room says, I've never heard this. I've never seen this. And then others who say, finally, you're talking about this. So it was a really big show. And of course, our guest on Monday, uh, Dr. June Knight, that's how she found the Sons of Liberty. She says, well, who are these guys? I don't know who these guys are. And. Uh you know, I sent you the video. I think you found it to be uh quite amusing as well. And uh so what do you got for us today? Because I, I think you had some tie in, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, with the Noahide laws and, and also what we're gonna be talking about today.
2: Oh sure. Well, we've got some things to finish up from last week. Now you know we had we had shown the nice big image about the uh Noahide laws and how they had um been uh, superseded over the laws that our nation was founded upon and, and all that kind of stuff, so we don 't really need to waste a whole lot of time on that but yes, education was was chosen to be the tool to change America even through these uh, twisted laws and One of the people who sent me so much of this information, I think uh, we were probably even finishing up that particular interview last week, Tim. And here comes another thing. Hey, did you know about this? And it's called Moment of Silence. And it's tied to Rebbe Schneerson, who is the one who was, um, that we talked about, who was uh, founder of the Noah Hyde Code Foundation, and he's the one who was honored in all those laws and proclamations that have been set, set forth from Carter all the way up to Trump. So that's um, one of the things that we'll talk about today, but one of the things that I've noticed with this uh, particular Noah Hyde movement is it's running right into what we call techno-fascism, and that also includes the artificial intelligence, which we know we're seeing a huge push in America for this kind of thing. So all three of these avenues are intersecting, and it's uh, it's not by mistake, it's not by happenstance. It is a plot to make a ruinous mess out of not only our nation, but us as human beings.
1: Yeah, no, I I couldn't agree more. In fact, uh, one of the things that people will kind of uh, get here, I'm going to show this uh, website that you've sent. It's called A Moment of Silence. Now, most of you, for what? I don't know, Lynn, at least since 9-11-2001 and maybe before that, instead of let's have prayer in Jesus' name, America's moved to a moment of silence, whatever that is. I guess that you can... Think, pray, not think, whatever you want. As long as you're not, you know, out there trying to, you know, promote Christianity, it's just fine. Mm-hmm. And I think this is where a lot of this stuff goes. It gets us into this, you know, one-world religion thing where we sort of set our own code of morals. Um, we what? all have our own prayer. We're going to have our own uh, humanistic kind of stuff that's going on instead of actually dealing with uh, the truth. And so uh, you've sent some of that. Now, what's going on here, and how do we get started into this move from the little bit that we need to finish up with Noahide Laws into what's going on now?
2: Okay. Now, remember, it's all about the global morality. If you will show people that really bright, uh, sustainable development goal um, image that I sent and if you'll read that for the uh, for those who are listening, it's telling you right there about global morals without using those two particular words put together.
1: Okay, all right. So this is the, the yellow and green one, right?
2: It's No, no, no. It's oh. the one with the guy in the middle of the sustainable development color.
1: Sorry about that. Got, That's okay. Okay. Let's see about this. Okay. <clears throat> all right. Yeah. It says, so, without so, education. Here's what he says. It says, "Without education, moral skills cannot be earned." What? Mm-hmm. Um, there can be that's no sustainable. Part of the, that's
2: part. That's part of this this shift away from the the foundations that we've had. It's putting everything in a skill, and some of these things cannot be measured as skills. Your morals should never be measured as skills, but this is what this this uh, shift is. Yeah. And this is how, um, as we talked about last week, this is how this is part of how the sustainable development goals are being woven in. And with it comes the technology, which leads to the artificial intelligence, which leads to all this other kumbaya stuff that we're seeing. Okay. So that's how, and again, with the moment of silence, the way it also ties in, Tim, is it goes back to the same twisted um, Lubavitch movement, uh, Schneerson. Yeah. that Dr. Pigeon, Pigeon told us about last week. Right. We looked at some of his um, videos.
1: Right. Now, this also continues on. It says there can... Now, look, folks, I do think that education produces a morality. We're taught to teach our children. This is why we promote homeschooling, because the Creator said in Deuteronomy 6, we're to teach our children. They're to be in our heart, and we're to teach our children these things. What are those? Those are morals mm-hmm. based on the law of God. We're to teach them His commands, right. which are moral. That is morality. Um, But this goes Mm -hmm. on to say there can be no sustainable development (laughs) without Mm -hmm. moral development. Well, whose morals? Who's determining it? And this is what we talked about with the Pharisees. The Pharisees had morals. Mm -hmm. The problem was they didn't have God's morals. They set up a a standard unto themselves, and, and Jesus called that out. And he says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees. You will by no means enter the kingdom of God. I mean, He warned against those kinds of things. So I know right. some people are probably out there right now going, "Oh, you're judging again, aren't you?" Yeah, well, you know, Jesus said this thing about making righteous judgments, guys. And if you're say, if you're judging me for doing it, well, then what are you doing? And uh, based upon what? So this is uh, right. this is and pretty interesting.
2: Have... And as we talked about last week, those global morals are not really morals at all. They're just pretty much a blanket for anything goes. So now if you'll go to the next image where it says our history for the moment of silence, I want people to see where they give the nod to the, the Rebbe, is, as he's called. Okay? All right. It says it was inspired by uh, – ra- okay, they call him Rabbi here – Schneerson's call to action to respond to the state of the American youth. Well, now, was he an American citizen? Why would he give a fig about the state of American youth if he didn't have an agenda? All right. Then it goes on to tell you about the Education and Sharing Day, which we talked about uh, last week under President Carter. And um, then you see there's President Reagan who wrote to the rabbi in 81, and it says here your emphasis on moral and ethical values and your interest in education you've contributed greatly to both the intellectual and spiritual development of our nation. Now you can have fun with that one.
1: Yeah, well, excuse me, before we came on the show, one of the things I told Bradley, I was just on the phone with Bradley a little while ago, by the way folks, he's on at 3 p.m. Eastern time in the afternoon, you can catch him here on the same, not on the same radio station but the same channel here on YouTube and And um, and on uh, before it's news, and one of the things I told him was we have to be careful because there are people who use terms that we put a certain definition to, and they put their own definition to. Case in point is someone like Charles Finney. Some people think he's a great Christian preacher, but when and he talks about the atonement, but you and I may have a different. We've got a biblical definition of atonement, which means Christ has come and He has atoned for our sins. He has He has. Uh, pacified, if you will, he has appeased the wrath of God for us and put our sins far away from us. Well, not for Charles Finney. It was, well, Jesus was just doing, he was just showing that God was serious about sin, but he didn't take care of your sin. You got to kind of take care of that stuff your own self. And you can find this in a systematic theology, which is just as confusing as, I don't know what, I mean, it's really confusing. And um, he right. defines these things. Now, people like Dr. Michael Brown wanted to take issue with us because we called Finney a false prophet in the fact of when he defined his terms, he was not holding to biblical Christianity at all. He was holding to this morality of, well, I can have an emotional feeling, an emotional experience, and my life never change. And um, and that Jesus really didn't pay at all. He just kind of showed you that God wants to... Embrace you with loving arms and all this. Well, the same thing happens here because they talk about um, intellectual and spiritual development. And the obvious question is to what end? Is it for the glory of God or is it for this occultic Judaism with its Noahide laws that are in opposition to God? And these things go right back to the very people that Jesus addressed over and over and over in the New Testament, the Pharisees, who held to this Babylonian Talmud nonsense. Uh, It was a perversion of the law of God. It was very wicked um, and very sensual, and it was tied to the fact that these guys couldn't worship in Jerusalem. And so, therefore, they're making up their worship as they go the same way... Pretty much all Jews do today because they don't have a temple and they won't recognize the Messiah uh, so they hold to Antichrist doctrine uh, just like we see in 1 John 2 John and so they take the you know these these day of atonement they take uh, the the other feasts and things and they make them their own because they can't involve the temple because there's no temple God won't let them have the temple and so they're having to twist. What God has said to do it, and this is why Jesus over and over and over and over said, Sermon on the Mount, he says, you've heard it said. That's the oral traditions that come through the Talmud. But I say to you, I'm pulling you back to the law. The law I gave at Sinai. And yes, Jesus is God, and so therefore he gave the law at Sinai. And then you see from like Matthew 21 through the end of Matthew 23, he just doesn't let up on these guys. He keeps hitting them, and he does not call them to repentance. He's saying it's judgment now, boys. It's judgment. And at the end of twenty three, after all those woes he pronounced on them, he walks out of the temple and he says, "I'm leaving your house desolate." And he steps out, and that's when he begins to talk about the judgment in Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21. Everybody wants to stick out in our future. It's not in our future, folks. It was then and there, and it happened within that generation. This is why Jesus on his way to the cross said, Don't weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children, for what's coming on you. The close of the old covenant... And the afflictions that come with the fact that God divorced Israel and there was a stoning that took place in the destruction of Jerusalem. I won't get on to that too much, <clears throat> just to whet your appetite in case we get back to that. Um, but, Lynn, this is this is definitely something that's come in that is not Christian, is not part of our foundations.
2: Right. And you ask an excellent question. You said, to what end does this intellect and, and, and moral grooming that... Um, Uh, Reagan was referring to when he wrote this particular letter and I think the best way to answer that is to let this young lady who is on that first YouTube clip um, I I think she can tell us to what end
1: all right this is called a kid a kids explain how a moment of silence is helpful it runs about uh, almost three minutes
3: It helps me relax and it helps me like calm myself like don't have so much anger in myself just forget about it and think about the day I could do it like if I have a problem with somebody like I'll relax and just close my eyes and don't think about it just forget about not to to control it in a a bad way in the morning I tell them mom today I did the moment of silence because when I came into school, I was angry and frustrated. And when I did the moment of silence, it basically, I just let all my anger go. And it really helped me relax. To think find my happy place. When my happy place is, it's all about me. And when I go to my happy place, I don't worry about nothing. I don't worry about the anger, the stress, the attitude. I just worry about me and how nice I feel. When I do a moment of silence, I feel like, if I'm jittery about something, I can calm myself down and think positive about like not having problems or fights. Moment of silence helped me because if there's something I don't understand, I can just close my eyes and reflect on the things in the past that I've done. I actually do moment of silence every day before I go to school, too. Yeah, and, that helps, and I only use the moment of silence at home to reflect on the day. Like not having problems with my mother, she thinks it's great. She thinks it helps it helps people understand themselves and get their inner charisma. My relatives that lives far away in like Philadelphia, yeah. they don't know they don't know about it. So I tell them, and they actually told me that it actually helps them. They said the moment of silence helps them because they can concentrate on classwork in school, and they also like because they have plants at home. And sometimes the moment of silence helps them remember to feed the plants. I feel that the moment of silence is a great thing because it helps you calm down in your day and it helps you predict your day. My mom thinks that moment of silence is a good thing because when I go home, I'm I'm calm and everything. I don't really run around like I usually do. And I do my homework without nobody, without playing with nobody. Plus, moment of silence when I go home. I'm still calm and everything. I think the moment of silence is a good thing because when I do the moment of silence, I calm down, and when I have a lot of anger inside me, I do the moment of silence to calm myself down. I told some of my friends at after school about moment of silence because when they get mad and um, they're playing wild and stuff, they go in the room, and when it's time to eat and stuff, they use the moment of silence to help calm themselves down.
1: Okay, all right, so that's uh, this is a moment of silence, and you know, Lynn, the first thing I think of here is, I, first mm-hmm. of all, I, I really feel sorry for these kids, because uh, let me tell you something, folks, what this is, is a repackaging of Middle Eastern mysticism and meditation. They tried to pull this stuff years ago in the schools, and the parents wouldn't have anything to do with it, it was because they were strong Christian parents at that time. What they've done is they've repackaged this. This moment of silence is, we could better say it, as a moment of meditation. It's a moment of quiet. Empty yourself. You hear what these kids say? I don't think about anything. It's all about me. And yet the Bible tells us that we're to meditate what? Uh, anybody read Psalm 119? <clears throat> I meditate on your law day and night. That's why you see the term Selah in the Psalms. It is Think about it. That's really what it is. Stop and think about what was just said. Think about the words of God. And the reason they can do that, this sounds very pharisaical to me, because this is what they didn't want to do. They didn't want to address their sin, Lynn. They never wanted to think about yeah. sin. And when we actually pray, what are we doing? We're confessing our sins to God, are we not? Isn't that part of our prayers? I can see this so clearly that this is to this is to make people feel good in and of themselves that they can somehow absolve themselves from their own sins. You heard these kids, oh, I, I don't like the fighting, and I, if I had a bad day or if I had... It's not I'm anxious about these things, I need to take them to God and bring them to Him. It's I can deal with them myself in my moment of silence.
2: Right, and they also kept using the word anger. You know, I'm so angry. Yep. Well, you know, from the from the, I'm going to address what else this is because you said it was a repackaging of of East Mid Eastern, but I'm going to go somewhere else with it. But let me read you this little quote from my article that all this information is going to be in. If you're like me, maybe you remember that prayer and Bible reading in the public school system was attacked and deemed wrong. Yet as I've traveled down the Common Core machine trail, I've seen self-focused yoga used in classrooms of all ages and choices. I've seen how the Noahide intellect has reshaped morals in education, especially through sexuality-based alignment, and how openly Satanism and earth worship have pointed to the world as our creator. Yet somehow the very Christian morals and ethics we were based on are now all wrong. Now that's one thing that addresses what you just did, but the other side of the coin, okay? Besides the Middle Eastern, you know, meditation, this is a clear attack on um, adverse childhood experiences. And the reason I say attack is because if you go back and you look on my blog at all the stuff that I have done about how the resilience movement through social and emotional learning will take – the neg, what is, what is now being called the negative emotions, and anger is one of them, and basically telling not only children, but families, oh, we don't need to mess with the negative emotions. We want only the good emotions, because the good emotions means we're not going to have any adverse, uh, childhood experience. Are you kidding me? The reason why we have anger, which is not necessarily negative, is because it is part of the God built in package of emotions that we were given, and even Jesus himself use righteous anger so how how awful is it that we've got children out there who are not being told how to deal with anger emotions it's not that you you can't be angry it's what you do with it that that's where the problem is but this is the attitude at which this global morality is coming in so it's doing it through social and emotional manipulation
1: no, absolutely it is. And the Bible tells us that we are to be angry but not sin. Jesus was angry what? with the with the money changers uh, in the temple. What? And he drove them out. Did he sin in that? No, he didn't. He said, my father's house is to be called a house of prayer. You've made it a den of thieves. He was angry with the Pharisees. That's why he went in there in Matthew 23, Mm -hmm. and he pronounced all the woes and the judgments upon them. I mean, this is constant. Look, he even got angry with his disciples wanting to keep the little children. He says, stop that. Get away from that. The one who causes a little one to stumble is better if you take a millstone and tie it around your neck. That's the context of all those things going on. And so, yes, he was angry. Did he sin in that? No. No. And you're right. No. We have to teach our children how to deal with their anger because if you just do all this stuff, what, what's going to what's happening, Lynn? Do you see what I'm saying? They're going to suppress it,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and eventually, oh, it's yeah. going to be oh, like yeah. a, a kettle on the um, on the stove, and it's going to eventually whistle. And because there's no hole for that whistle to escape, it's going to blow. It, I mean, and and what but are we seeing with kids today?
2: And here's the here's the thing that I've always had issue with, this resilience stuff that's going on, that's you know going on in the name of supposed, oh, if we wipe out adverse childhood experiences, that means that down the line they won't be in prison, they won't be low income, they won't be hooked out on drugs, they won't be beating people. And none of us can can look in a crystal ball and go, or we shouldn't, um, and say, okay, well, you know, in this person's life, this is exactly what's going to happen to them. The point of it is is that the Centers for Disease Control, the Rockefeller Foundation, and a bunch of other people have gotten in on this resilience movement, and they are using the adverse childhood uh, experiences mindset to justify trying to get everyone in the family to go along with this kind of stuff because, after all, we don't need anger. Well, yeah, sometimes you need to. And if you don't teach your children how to express anger, depression, remorse, just out and out, my heart is breaking You don't want the school teaching them how to do it, but that's exactly what's happening. And I'm going to tell you what, life, whether you homeschool or you public school or you however school, is not easy and it will not always be sunshine and roses. And I can tell you from personal experience that I halted my homeschooling uh, when my son died because there was no way. I could navigate all the myriad of emotions I was going through, much less what I was seeing my children go through. And there was no way that we could do um, homeschooling. So you know what? We went into the family mode and we took care of the family and we dealt with all those horrible emotions. And you know what? We're still dealing with them because that's part of life. But it's how it shaped not only my walk, but it has shaped my children as well.
1: No, that's exactly right, and this is why we promote homeschooling. Look, uh, I want to tell you know single moms or couples out there who have children. The reason we promote the homeschool movement is because that is really the the model that the Lord the Lord Jesus has given us in Deuteronomy chapter six, and that is that you, the responsibility to teach children is from their parents, not from the state. God has given those children to you. He has equipped you to do it. And even though you might not think you can, Moses didn't think he could go before Pharaoh and speak, but he did. And other people throughout the scriptures didn't think they could do certain things, but they did, and they did so through the power of God because they trusted God. They had faith in God that he would get them through those things. And so, Lynn, you're exactly right. God has given parents to the children to do this very thing. And how do we know what to do? Well, we know what to do. Because God has said, not because we're so brilliant or so fantastical in our intellect or anything else, but because God will honor those who seek to obey him. And uh, boy, I I think of some of the stuff in here. I think what they're doing is they're, I think of the words of Jesus when he tells the Pharisees, he says, you travel over land and sea to make a convert. And in doing so, you make him twice the son of hell. Isn't that what they're doing here? They're they're not dealing with the anger, which is going to fester into, eventually it's going to fester into murder. Let's just put it the way it is. Jesus said, if you have anger in your heart without a cause against your brother, uh, you've committed anger. Just like if you have lust within your heart, you've committed adultery. And so these guys are only dealing, only worried about dealing with the outside of the cup, just like the Pharisees, without mm-hmm. dealing with the inside where there's still dead men's bones. And the only way you can make that come to life, and the only way you can clean the inside is by the gospel of Jesus Christ, which calls men to repent of their sin, put their faith in God, be reconciled to him through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lynn? Yep. Um, well, I will only say
2: this. You know homeschool but my mission is to protect it as it should be because what it has become is an absolute farce and with that said why don't we go to the second moment of silent clip where you're going to see the teacher leading these children in this kind of what I call the kumbaya stuff
0: best teacher of all is a child's parent.
2: Good morning, class. Before we take our algebra quiz, let's take a quiet moment and open your notes from home.
0: A quiet moment taps into the purpose of life and family values that best come from the home. Planting the seeds of purpose and positive thinking. Oh, positive Lord. messages that will carry us through a lifetime
2: and let's close our eyes and reflect on what your folks had to say to you
0: all across america parents and teachers are embracing the long-term benefits um, of a Quiet moment. Um, okay class
2: let's go ahead and put the chairs back where they belong and we'll take our algebra quiz
0: find out more about enrolling your school in a quiet moment
1: I want you to listen to the hypocrisy of what was just said. Just listen to the hypocrisy there. They said the parent is the best teacher while they're sending their kids off to be taught by somebody who's not the parent. I mean, how hypocritical is that, Lynn?
2: Well, you've got that. But, you know, my my thought was, okay, what if you don't have a nice relationship with your parents? Who's going to write that note to you? And I'm going to tell you what, you might remember some positive things from your parents. You might not. So there are a lot of questions there. But my point in uh, sharing that is because here you're seeing a teacher do what a teacher has no business doing okay before you take your algebra quiz you don't need to take a moment to have a positive mental push from your parents what you need to do is make sure that your pencil is sharpened that you did your homework and hope to goodness that you can do your best
1: well no i agree with that but i i think there's an underlying problem to that the reason that is not the case is because of the thing i said before they start off right. right the parent is the is the best teacher. So why are why are we doing something? If you agree and we agree that the parent's the best teacher, why aren't they teaching them? Then mom and dad are gonna give them they're gonna give them they don't have to write some little card. They're, they're gonna be displaying that love and affection towards the kids in how they direct their attention, how they correct them. Um, and then they're also gonna be concerned about academics, and morality, and all of this. And they should be presenting, if they're in a Christian nation, they claim they're Christian, there's only one place you can define that, and that's in the Bible, and they should be going there to direct their kids in that. So I get what you're saying. They should be sharpening their pencil, having studied, be ready to take those tests, and this, that, and the other. But the fact of the matter is, the underlying problem in all of that is they've been separated out from a natural learning uh, Mm -hmm. environment in their with their parents the, the, well, the people see, god gave them nurtured, to do
2: that yes they're being nurtured by the system yes. because the system has t- basically told the parents look you don't know what you're doing we can do it much better than you so we're going to educate the whole child that was part of the garbage with the every student succeeds act and if you go back and you look at some of the mandates with that tim not only was it that the child had to be ready when they came to school to know how to learn, they also said, well, you know what? If you're not doing a good enough job at home, we're going to come into your home Figuratively, and through programs like this, and show you by George how we want you to be a family, and that's exactly what this is doing. And that's where the danger is, is because it is allowing the family to become controlled and nurtured by the system, not the God given family.
1: I agree, and let me ask you a question, Land. Let me let me see if you if you got this too. You know, these kids open up these these cards, and you mentioned, well, what if they don't have, you know, maybe they're living with grandma and grandpa or an aunt. Or maybe they're in a, a a foster home and they're being abused. Not that all foster homes do that. I'm not am not trying to insinuate that. But the foster home, foster system is a is not really a good system in our in our uh, culture. But the fact of the matter, let's just say they're living with somebody who's abusive or whatever, and they write them something, um, you know, in there. Or maybe mom and dad who do love them. Uh, write them something, but the teacher pulls it up and says, hey, let me see that little Johnny. And then all of a sudden they see something in there that's meant for good, and the teacher twists it, and they say, oh, we need to call CPS in on this thing. I mean, this is going in, mm-hmm. and this I think this is the point you were trying to make, this, can, this goes into mm-hmm. an area where teachers have no business. I think that's what you are trying to get at before.
2: Right, right. And one of the things that we need to do is, uh, you know, that's messing with your mind. That's one thing, okay? That's another aspect to the tactic. Uh, the techno-fascism that comes along and walks beside not only the global shift, but this Noahide garbage, and that's where we're headed next, okay? So we're going to take a big jump from social and emotional learning over into techno-fascism. So first of all, you might want to show people that particular image. That's kind of um, interesting. I'm not sure if the people are facing um, us or they're facing away from us. It's kind of hard to tell, but... (laughs)
1: Yep, I've got that. They look, wow. Okay. Yeah, I think they're facing us. I think that's what the deal is. <laughs> uh,
2: okay. I wasn't sure, and I'm like, you know, I'm not going to spend too much time on that, but <laughs> it just made me kind of chuckle because, really, the subject is just Anything but chuckling, um, but anyhow, as we have talked about last week and a little bit today, uh, the shift uh, to from uh, uh, Christian to noahide and fascism are basically the same thing. Then you add in the rabid push for the technology from the common core machine and and all the Silicon Valley people and all the global idiots with you know big tech and they're all trying to reshape America so we know that um, Trump in this administration, the previous administration, they've all been, oh, yes, let's get, you know, not only are we moving away from the Christian Foundation, we're going to put in more tech. We're going to put in more tech because, you know, we have to have more tech because we can be globally competitive and all this other kind of stuff. So somebody may be going, well, what is a techno-fascist? Well, that is a person or a group of people, if you will, who take – Fascism, which is the one-party government controlling its citizens in every single aspect of their lives, you combine it with the use of technology to track you, trace you, and manipulate your education like social and emotional education, and that's the person who is lording it over you. So I'm saying that this is what our government has become. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, you know, I, uh, I, I, there's no doubt that they're pushing that more and more. You know, when I heard, first heard of transhumanism, um, mm-hmm. I thought this is really bizarre. I mean, really bizarre. But then it was as bizarre as the guy who's spending, I don't know how many thousands of dollars a month to make himself into an elf. I mean, like an elf, like, you know, Lord of the Rings elf. Looks like it, had ribs removed, mm-hmm. did something with, weird with his eyes. Um, it, spending thousands of dollars. He has to be on welfare doing this. That's all I can say over in the UK. And then there was another guy who bought this dog uniform, and he walked around on all fours. He was spending like, I don't know, $5,000 a month to be a dog. And I just Mm. think of the mental, you know, warpedness, if that's a word, uh, that these people are engaged in. uh, And so these are the people who are setting the trend here for this transhumanism and even the people who think everything I got to do has to be with technology. Oh, hey, if I can get this little chip installed, you know, right back here in my head or something like that, or maybe Mm -hmm. it's in my hand and I can use my phone and I can search the Internet with it. I can just pop on a pair of glasses. I can send a message here and there. I can be almost this. I don't know, a uh, Neo from Matrix kind of guy where I can just pick out all this stuff. I can do all this cool. And don't get me wrong. The technology sounds very cool. It sounds very cool. Yeah. But the problem is, what is the cost that it involves? Is there a cost here, Lynn, for these people moving towards this kind of techno-fascism, moving under that umbrella?
2: Oh, my Lord, absolutely. There have been a lot of people who are really coming out right now about the Fourth Industrial Revolution and how this techno-fascism is ushering it in. In fact, I have um, um, my dear friend Allison out of uh, Pennsylvania has done a tremendous amount of legwork and research into the um, aspect of how this is going to come in from the data mining and the blockchain and all that kind of stuff. And she was recently joined by a man of the name of Joseph, and he is an expert in the other side of this uh, uh, cryptocurrency, blockchain, Bitcoin kind of stuff. And he's coming at it from the uh, gaming aspect. Because that's what he spent so many years doing. And they've just recently done a three and a half hour webinar. So if you want to show people what that, you know, the website of where they can find that. I want them to take the time at some point to watch that entire thing because it is absolutely chilling. It will take every bit of the techno-fascism, the Fourth Industrial Revolution. It will tie it into education. It will tie it into abuse of our healthcare system. It is going to absolutely wake you up and chill you to the bone at the same time because it's all centered on artificial intelligence.
1: Well, this is uh, wrenching the gears, and the folks, will have mm-hmm.
2: this. vlog.
1: Yeah, we're not gonna we're not gonna play it because it's like three hours and fourteen minutes, and I right. know none of you you can right. see this on right. your own but- time. And and what, what? we're going to do is we've got another video. This is by Patrick Wood. We had him on the show a couple of weeks ago on – or actually, it may have been over a month ago now because my days all run together. But Patrick's the one who, who is putting out these cards. If you haven't got one and you want to go to your stores and they want to make you wear a mask, Patrick's got these little cards you can pick up. You can support what he's doing there at technocracy.news. And uh, Patrick also uh, has a video we're not going to be able to show because it's like – 24 minutes and uh, i'm just going to show yeah. people real quickly but these are going to be uh-huh. in the archive at sons liberty later on today so do yourself a favor you want some homework you want to learn something that's really going on not something that that you know you can't sink your teeth into these guys are actually presenting the stuff of why we're in the situation that we're in and what's coming And, you know, Patrick has done a great job on on the forefront of exposing Agenda 21, Agenda 2030, and also uh, what's coming here with this whole technocracy, or as you said, the the techno-fascism that's coming as well.
2: Right. Right and I also included um, there's an archive from 1998 and it's going to look really weird but it's where the techno uh, techno fascism image came from but I would love for folks to take their time to read that because it was setting it was telling you then about the things that were in the works and where they were looking to go and it's playing right into the things like what Elon Musk is pushing which is the transhumanism where Technology is embedded in your body. Now, he's trying to sell this as it's a gain for the healthcare community. But my question goes much deeper. And because we know that data mining is such a trillion-dollar industry for so many people, who is to say that those companies with these chips that are inserted won't be profiting off of your personal, private, God-given, uh, wonderfully made body and information that's in your brain. So if you want to really shock people, show them that that picture, please.
1: Yep. No, I'm, I'm scrolling through the uh, the article here at The Sun now, and there's another okay. one from Wired.com um, showing right. off the Neuralink brain implant. Now, folks, I, you know, I don't know that I have to tell people who are regular listen, listeners to The Suns of Liberty, but for those of you who are joining us, I mean, this stuff – you know, if you're concerned that the CIA is in on your stuff or that, you know, Big Brother is after you or you've read 1984 or Brave New World or Neil Postman where, you know, he's kind of combating both of them in that. Or you've seen films like Terminator or um, I'm trying to think of the other one that I had in my mind uh, about uh, with uh, the guy who played Batman or whatever, Christian Bale, um, and I forget that. But it's sort of a, it, his is sort of a mix between, uh, it's a movie, and I forget it now, but it was sort of a mix between Brave New World and um, 1984. And it's this control the people's emotions and everything with drugs. And then when they get out of line, then you get the jackboot, you know, guy yeah. who comes in with the a matrix kicks and everything else and just kills you. He wipes you out. Right. If you're disturbed by that stuff, which is what those movies do to condition you, you say, well, why do you watch them, Tim? I want to see what they're doing. The the way that you see what the enemy is doing, you watch what he does and you pay attention to what he does so that you can see what he's doing so that you can fight against it. I don't want to put myself – Well, you don't have to put yourself through that. I put myself through it. I'm telling you right now. I'm not telling you to watch the movies. I'm just saying – Here's the stuff. Here's the books that have been written. They have told us what they're going to do, Lynn. And here you're showing this uh, this piece from 1998. 1998. This is 1998. Is you know a decade behind the 80s when they were pushing all this stuff anyway. And it's several decades beyond the whole science fiction, you know, uh, television series and and comic books and all these kinds of things that an entire you know, several generations have grown up with in their mind. Now they're becoming a reality for them. And do you mm-hmm. think as I do that a lot of these people will be more than happy to receive a brain implant an injection with, uh, uh, some kind of a microchip that can, I don't know, take away their, take away their fears, take away their anger to, you know, put them to sleep. We already have app apps, that you can you can buy this thing i saw it online you can buy this thing to put around your neck and it's got an app with it mm-hmm. and it will put you to sleep or it will make you it, you know it will take away your anxiety and stuff where the bible says if you're anxious about anything, it says don't be anxious about anything but through prayer let your petitions be made known unto god and so it's it's a it's a way of subverting the creator to whom we're to appeal for mm-hmm. these things and replacing it with him. And the the one person we know that wants to be like God is the devil. And he's wanting to leave right. people right there, right where they're dying to go.
2: Well, let's think about it from this aspect. You know, both Musk and Gates, um, they're billionaires. They have money to throw at everything. Um, they've messed with education in one way or another. They've tried, they're trying to mess with our lives in every way possible. So, you know, neither of them are medically certified, and even if they were, where's their devotion? It's not with you and I. It's to be as global as possible, but to make as much money as possible. So where do their morals and ethics lie? They're rooted in Noahide law and corporate profits. Now, Let's segue into what D.C. is doing about all this because, you know, all this is really nasty stuff and you would think that our government would be going, no, our job is to protect the people because that is our job or supposed to be the job of the, the administration, but it's not because in D.C. right now, you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven bills that are all centered on artificial intelligence. And every one of them, in one way or another, Tim, goes right into the thing of we have to have more artificial intelligence because we have to have more competency-based education, because we have to have more skilled AI workers. It's going to, uh, a lot of them are going to expand the federal government yet one more time by creating new task force or new offices or new programs or initiatives. And a lot of these, um, okay, now there's a pair that's HR 7096 and S3890. Those were just introduced in June. They will set up a national AI task force for research purposes. Now, when you read those two and they're carbon copies of each other, you will see an open admission by our congressmen and women who are backing this stuff that we're going to ramp up the data collection and how much we snoop on people.
1: Well, yeah, but this is not anything new. We're already seeing that. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. You and I have talked about a lot of no. this stuff. Um, it, this no, is,
2: but, but what, but what just, just what really just corks corks my can, if you will. <laughs> on all this stuff, is that every one of them is not going, okay, let's have education to be about academics. No, if we're doing skill-based labor, skill-based widgets. Do what you're told, when you're told, and no other way. Uh, S3901 is going to take higher education locations. Now, not just universities and colleges, okay, but education locations for the, uh, you know, those uh, who've graduated high school and turn them into training camps, if you will, or reskilling camps, Tim, for nothing but artificial intelligence. And it's all based on the pay for success system of, okay, you come do this, we're going to give you a scholarship. And if you dance the way we tell you to dance and you do the things we tell you to do, then okay, fine you don't have to worry about repaying this money. But if you don't, it becomes that you have to repay it. That turns it into a loan, and you and I have yep. been over that I don't know how many times. Yep. But it requires indentured servitude after you complete your training or reskilling.
1: No, that's exactly right. And uh, I was showing people the links here. Folks, we're going to have these... Uh, All of these bills where you can see them, if you want to see them, in the archive at com. I know there's people who continually are are out there, and you're probably in the chat room right now. I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and guess. Donald Trump would never do this. The Republicans would never do this. And, oh, please. But they're behind it just as much as the Democrats. This is a
2: as and in, this in is my, in my article I tell yeah. you exactly it's both the mainstream parties yep. who are interested in this because they can make the most money. It's not about the protecting us, it's about the money. Well, it's not it even about, about protect- following
1: the law, Lynn. You and I have done this over and over and over we've said the constitution gives them Zero, zilch, nada authority to do this, and yet, Lynn, it isn't just the representatives. It's it's the conservative echo chamber of whatever outlet you want to go to that doesn't want to call this stuff mm-hmm. out and call it for what it is. They want to somehow justify that when the GOP does it, it's okay, but when the Democrats do it, it's bad. It's global government, and this it's, it's right. global education— but it's the same thing across the board, and this is, this is one of the things that we try to get people to see. We're not looking for the right or the left. We're looking for those on the right. straight and narrow, which is following the law.
2: I guess I should say correct.
0: Yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, I don't know if you have my article up. It's uh, titled, Inlet Yours Versus Theirs. But if you would scroll all the way down to the bottom, I think this is where, uh, um, I'm not sure where our time is, but if we're getting close to we've got about time to close f- out. We've got about four and, and a half minutes.
1: Yep, we got about four and a half minutes. Okay,
2: this would be a great place to end, okay? All right, sure. If you've got that article up, you see the image of the black helmet?
1: image of the black helmet. I am scrolling down. There's Clorox on the rank. Yeah, I just wrote an article on this, the RoboCop helmet. Yep.
2: Yeah, yeah. Look at this. Now, this is tied, this can be tied to questions around this H.R. 2613 that has passed the House and is in the U.S. Senate because what it's supposed to do, Tim, is snoop out the financial crimes. But if you've got something like this, and this is airport security, okay? If you've got something like that that can ferret out all kinds of uh, things about you, how much more is this new bill, should it pass, going to enforce AI and law enforcement and use it against us? And who's to say with the geo-targeting orders that are in this bill that it's going to be just for criminal tracing? This is where we've got to not just wake up, but do something,
1: well, no I, I completely agree when I when I was doing the article on this uh, it was it was very clear to me because they pitched it as oh this is gonna be people they're gonna have this heads-up display here these these cops are gonna have not that they haven't been violating the Fourth Amendment all over the place since you know just after 9/11 people every time you know there was a time where you didn't have to go through all this security check take your shoes off put all mm-hmm. your stuff in a bin walk through an x-ray like you're a criminal um, or have your bags searched and all that. There was a time, and that wasn't too long ago in the past, two decades ago, actually, that you didn't have to do that getting on a plane. And now not only what? are they doing that, they're putting on their little helmets um, so they can put on their head. These are the same people violating law now. They'll put on their little helmets. They're going to have a heads-up display, and they're going to identify you as having COVID. Even though COVID has never been made pure they've never determined there is such a thing i mean we had dr kevin corbett on saying he's calling out the nhs over in the uk and boris johnson saying give me the evidence of this give me proof that this even exists they have admitted to killing right. people in the name of covid so now they've got helmets that are going to determine if you got covid or not and uh there's something else they're going to have facial recognition on them they have little cameras you guys can see it right there on the side Uh, They're going to have little cameras there that will pick you up and and recognize you facially. And this is just more – people don't think they're in a police state, but they are. They really are.
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I want you – before we close, I would like you to scroll all the way back up to my article to the very feature image. And I want to explain something, okay, because I got called on the carpet big time for this. Okay, and I want to explain to people. Okay, so let me know when you have that. Mm -hmm. Okay, I know you said something uh, recently about okay, you know Frank Zappa was an atheist, and you know, but he still was spot on when he said what he did about you know the government and that sort of thing. I understand Carl Sagan is very, very controversial. When I used this particular image, it was not to pay homage to Sagan, to say that I align with Sagan's beliefs or any of that. It was simply the words that were there were so appropriate for the title, which is intellect, yours versus theirs. That's it. and. and instead of looking at my research, instead of looking at the article and all the dangers that I'm trying to warn people about, this particular group, who is supposedly interested in getting us out of the United Nations, told me I could no longer post on their particular group because I used a Carl Sagan image. Yeah.
0: Now I want
2: to talk about how people are being so ignorant willfully yes. Yes. in this day and age when we need to be helping each other protect ourselves and our families, I don't know what to do.
1: I totally agree, and I agree agree with the quote, too. Lynn, Uh, we got about uh, 15 seconds. Tell people where they can find out more about you. Real quick, go.
2: CommonCoreDiva.com
1: Oh, you don't have any other places?
2: (laughs) Well, I do, but you said 15 seconds, so I wasn't going to have the music get me this time. (laughs)
1: That's fine, that's fine. CommonCoreDiva.com, you can check out Lynn there. You can also support her. She's on Twitter. She's on Activist Something Another, USA.life, and a whole bunch of other places. So you guys be sure to tell her you appreciate her. Uh, 23 hours. See ya.